You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. As a performer, of course, you know, we're curious about the human condition because that's the way we're conditioned to look at things. It's the foundation of our creativity. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. And I've been having a lot of conversations lately about personal narrative and the importance of telling our own stories and really listening to the stories that other people have. It's gotten me thinking about how we tell stories, whose stories we tell, and what it's like to embody and become a part of someone else's story, which, of course, is exactly what happens in theater. And that got me wondering about the part curiosity might play in theater, its role, if you will, in the creative process, in the performance, and for us as audience members. And that brought the Educational Theater Company to mind. This year, ETC is celebrating its 20th anniversary, which means that when my sons were loving their Shakespeare in the School sessions at Key Elementary School, ETC was a very young enterprise. But they were clearly on to something, and lo, these many years later, they're going strong and offering everything from kitty summer camps to collaborative programs with people who are homeless. Who better then to talk with me about the part that curiosity might play than ETC's executive director, Stan Kong. A native of Washington, D.C., Stan is a professional actor, director, and drama teacher. His list of theater credits is long, but I'll just say that I had the real pleasure of seeing him in what he describes as the role of a lifetime in Yellow Face at Theater J in 2014. So, Stan, it's delightful to have you here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, it's really a pleasure. So let's start with a little bit about the Educational Theater Company. Tell us about the organization. Well, ATC was formed 20 years ago. We had five theater artists, um, myself, my late wife Elizabeth, Melissa Flame, Hope Lambert, and Tom Allen. Um, we all believed in arts education and we wanted to share our passion with um, students and so we formed ETC so we would have a vehicle um, to teach Mm -hmm. Uh, and from that genesis um, 20 years ago when I lived in Sheffield Court here with my wife to now um, where we've grown you know from one camp to 22 to programs for all ages. It's been quite a journey. It has. It has. So describe a little bit some of the different kinds of programs that you have, because it's quite an array. Our bread and butter is serving K-12. to So, you know, we do after-school classes. We do camps. We have, you know, many camps across the summer in both Arlington and Falls Church. We also do original musicals. Um, for instance, at McKinley Elementary, coming up is our 30th original musical, where we go into wow. the school. Yeah, it's great. And we um, take a common story one that um, is not copyrighted anymore. That's uh-huh. the, <laughs> and then we um, adapt it. We have the kids write lines. We have them help write the songs about the story. They're 
family come in and help build the set. And so it's a real community activity. And we go there twice a year, shoot, from almost the second or third year of our existence. Um, And that's a really special thing. So we do main stage help with people. And then we've, in the last few years, expanded into areas of, hmm, I won't say specialty, but underserved communities. Um, For example, my wife started to work with the elderly along with Tom Allen, and we started our Creative Age program. Mm -hmm. Um, We felt that they would benefit from the arts. And then my wife took the same model where she would bring in students to independent living facilities, and they would share stories, and they would devise work around that. She took that model and um, partnered with an organization called Street Sense, um, which is uh, an organization that serves men and women who are or have experienced homelessness. And so we would take high schoolers there to Street Sense to partner with the vendors, and they would start to share stories and um, devise a theater piece around those stories that they told each other and perform it both at Street Sense and then here, our, our big partner here is HB Woodlawn. And then we did, you know, some other partners like Wilson School. We did an all-school partnership. But um, every year we've been going back to HB because that's where both our kids were. <laughs> that's a good reason to go back. So part of your mission has actually evolved to be to promote understanding between diverse cultural groups. Does curiosity play a part in that? Of course. I mean, I think I was thinking about this last night as um, I was preparing for this interview. It's sort of like, what is it to be curious? To be curious is to be interested in learning about something, right? So I think that when you combine two disparate groups who not don't necessarily think they have anything in common, and then you ask them to share personal stories, Elizabeth would have prompts every week, and she would say, okay, um, here's a beautiful poem about grief. You know, and then they would read it and then she would give assign people pairs and they would take their recorders and they would share personal stories about grief. Um, The next week would be about love, uh, would be about hope. And as they started to bond, they started to go deeper and tell more personal stories. I don't think you can be a good listener without being curious in that situation. I mean, as a performer, of course. You know, we're curious about the human condition because that's the way we're conditioned to look at things. It's the foundation of our creativity. We always want to know why. As you know, if I'm a villain, I can't just be villainous. You know, in my <laughs> mind, I'm a good guy. Right? right. Why right. is that? So I'm curious get... about to the psyche uh, of it all. Yeah. So, so talk me through that. I mean, as you try to get your head into the mind of a villain, what do you become curious about? To get there, because you are a good guy, right? So you have to get into a different mindset. The why, uh-huh. you know, you're always curious about why is this okay? Why is these actions justifiable? Mm. You know, um, uh, if you're playing uh, one of Shakespeare's villains, uh, uh, invariably it's a sense of grievance, right? Something that you didn't get, and a sense of like sort of like correcting wrongs that are in your mind, mm. and and the ends justify the means, and you have to make that. I believe in order to be um, effective, you, you have to make the audience understand that you're not just this boilerplate evil person. You're a person who believes something wrongly and is willing to act on that. Mm. And to get there, you have to be curious about what would get someone there, right? Yeah, and what would allow them to justify their behaviors. And then, you know, the whole other part of 
live theater as the audience. You know, as a performer, I have to invoke their curiosity, right? And so the complexity of you figuring out why and sharing that with the audience is like telling a story. Yeah, yeah. So is that something you're actively looking to uh, cultivate in your audience? I think in uh, in any live theater situation or um, any live performance theater situation, yeah, of course you want to invoke their curiosity. You want them to learn about either what you're saying, about what you're singing, what story you're presenting them. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to reactivate their native curiosity. So as we were getting set up for this conversation, you made an interesting comment about People lo- whether we lose our curiosity. And, and it's maybe outside the context of theater, but I want to come back to that because the theater is a place then where we as adults can cultivate our curiosity, maybe rebuild some muscle there. But talk to me a little bit. You work with kids. Talk to me about what you see about our willingness or ability to express curiosity. I think people are born with an innate curiosity. Mm-hmm. I mean, babies, you, you look at a baby's face and when they are still learning to see and um, start to vocalize, they're processing everything. They're naturally curious about every single thing because uh, they're learning, right? So they're they're there in the moment and they're watching these things and they'll laugh spontaneously. They'll do all these things. And as a child, I think um, you're also still naturally curious. But as you get older, I think responsibility gets in the way like mm-hmm. you know uh, i have to get a, get a a good grade i have to you know i have to achieve x for or i need my social status and then as adult of course responsibilities get piled on even higher yeah. i have to pay my mortgage i have to take the kids to 20 activities um i don't have time to be curious i need to do yeah. and so i think you know uh, in a lot of ways that that ability is put aside but it also you lose it it atrophies a bit because you don't use it as much. So one of the things that occurs to me with with theater is as an audience member, part of our job is to be paying attention, right? And and for me, that's a little bit of a shorthand of being curious as you're attentive to what's going on for other people. You start, you get kind of caught up in the story and you begin to wonder, well, why why is that happening? Why does he feel that way? Where is it going to go next? Um, who else is involved? Whether it's a mystery or or even just the kind of a more subtle kind of psychological story unfolding. Is, it, is being attentive the same thing as being curious? Hmm. That's a really great question. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, you can be attentive and not be curious. Um, I certainly had many classes in college where I was fully attentive and not <laughs> yeah. the least bit curious. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking the same thing. And then you say as an audience member, it's your job to be attentive. Um, I would push back a little bit on that. I would say um, as an audience member, it's your job just to be open to the, the performance or experience that's uh, presented mm. and, and feel what you feel. As performers, it's our job to make you curious. We Mm. want you to go on the ride with us. And so there's a certain inherent responsibility in the performers to say, you know, this is so interesting. I'm going to compel you to start to be curious and exercise your imagination, to exercise, you know, your thoughts, um, to go on this emotional ride with us, to feel what we're feeling. Um, So that's interesting because maybe, maybe that's the, maybe you've sort of put your finger on it, the, the 
the thing that turns attention to curiosity is caring. And it's yes. your job to get me to care, mm -hmm. not just to, not just to pay attention, but to be really fully present and to care about what's unfolding in front of me. Totally agree. I mean, you think about um, all the concerts you go to, what are the, which are the best ones? Are the ones that somehow transform you, transport you emotionally or or whatever? And, uh, and, you know, as a parent, you've probably gone to concerts that, you know, your kids wanted to go to and you're not fully engaged. <laughs> you're just paying attention to making sure they're safe. But sometimes once in a while, um, a kid's um, something that you've gone to for your kids will turn into something great. It's all dependent on your ability to be open to these experiences and cultivate your curiosity or reawaken it, perhaps, is a better term. Uh, there's a quote by someone, I can't remember who it was, but I tell this to my kids all the time. They, they, get, uh, they, they get driven a little crazy by it, but I keep saying to them whenever they're complaining about going to something, I said, hey, nothing is interesting if you're not interested. And I think that's a shorthand for saying, hey, be curious. Just yeah. be open to this. Yeah. And yeah. see what you feel. It's sort of like the unbridled enthusiasm of a child, right? It's sort of like we want to reawaken that. I, I think I told you as we were setting up, I'm a Taoist. And part of the Taoist philosophy is that you have to cultivate the beginner's mind, right? Mm. And so it's yeah. all about being open and curious and receptive to whatever experience is happening in the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, um, it's important to reawaken that idea in us. As the older we get, the more distance we have. We have our, our, um, our years of experience that immediately allow us to judge a situation without truly being open to it. And we have, you know, sort of all these preconditioned biases and things like that. And, and, and those are ways in which we make life easier to process but in a way we've lost our curiosity because we're just making these snap judgments instead of truly experiencing it and then feeling it and then processing it so are you able to bring that forward in the work with k-12 through students in what you do I think that it's really important. Like I said, curiosity is the bedrock of creativity. So I think that what we do in having kids perform is getting them used to the idea of, yes, um, creativity, telling stories, imagining things is all great. Being curious as to what might happen, opening your imagination up, expressing that um, in front of an audience is all part of the great um, parts of arts ed. It's what we truly believe. And we believe that, I mean, ETC is not here to make the next great artist. We're here to make uh, I don't know, this might sound too lofty, but better humans, right? I don't think that's too lofty at all. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. We want to give kids confidence, right? Yeah. And we want them to be confident in their curiosity and their creativity. We want them to learn to collaborate. We want them to have a community. Our four C's are those words, and you could uh, you could argue that, you know, it should be five C's and curiosity should be I was going to make that very case. Yeah. I was looking at that list, and I thought, well, these are wonderful words. You know, your cornerstones, creativity confidence, collaboration, community. And I thought curiosity is like your silent partner, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, curiosity is the bedrock to creativity, I think. I yeah. think so in, in a way that we didn't consciously do, but, you know, creativity um, – what was the words? Like a Venn diagram and, you know, uh -huh. they overlap quite a bit. But they're kind of different. So you could argue that it would be our fifth So I was, actually, I was actually thinking a little bit about this and I thought, well – you know, can I see curiosity in each of these four? And as you said, creativity, it's sort of the bedrock. There, there's such an overlap. It's really hard to collaborate unless you are curious about the other's 
kind of thinking and their their creativity, their sort of motivation, their curiosity about it. Community, I think, is also curiosity is this expression of caring. It's sort of a way of building community, I think. How do you see curiosity in confidence? I think you have to be a confident person to be curious in mm. a way. And you know, getting back to your idea of tying it back to other things, I think you know, for collaboration, you have to be open to other people's experiences. One of the things that we make sure that we do at ETC is that you know, we know you have lives outside of the classroom or, or the rehearsal space. But whenever you come into our rehearsal space, it's a sacred space where, you know, all of the things that you guys know or do or whatever cliques you're in, you leave outside the door. Yeah. When we're here, we're an ensemble and we're, we're a team, just like in sports, for lack of a better word. We're a family. You have to be able to engage your curiosity both to learn about the person in our sacred space, but also that starts to carry over outside you know, when you've had that experience and you've shared that experience, well, then you know that person who is, you know, in a different clique, maybe the, they're a jock or, or whatever they are. Well, no, actually, I, I did a, you know, a nine-week experience where we performed together. We're, we're now friends, even though they're, you know, different right. way. And so it invokes their curiosity about who they're working with. And then when you translate it back to confidence, I think when you have used or opened up your curiosity to yourself and you've identified things that are in you that you like and think are strong and you've accepted some of the things that you judge yourself with, that creates confidence. And so I think you have to turn the lens of curiosity to yourself to do that. And we help facilitate a lot of that. But I think it's just, you know, by doing, they learn. Well, I think that's, I think, I think that's absolutely right. And it, I'm recalling an experience that I had with you a couple of years ago when I was in the Leadership Arlington class and you came and did a skills presentation as part of one of our class days on yes and and team building. And I was telling you before we before we sat down that that, that was five years ago and it it stuck with me. It really stayed with me, this importance of kind of the yes and and building, which seems to me actually to be very much a curiosity enterprise because it's like, how do I build on that? What is somebody else bringing? It's about being open to what other people are bringing forward and thinking about um, how do I use that? How do I choose to embrace it as opposed to resist it or push back against it? Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you carry that with you. The basis of that exercise, um, I think we would call it the commercial game was to invoke the golden rule of improv. No matter how outrageous, you were supposed to build an ad for a product. Right. And you had yes, to build that's what it was. you had to build um the product itself and and everybody could suggest something and the golden rule was you had to say yes and and so even if it were totally outrageous, right. you had to agree as opposed to getting to, into the minutia of saying that's stupid or that couldn't be or how could it do both? You just had to agree. You had to accept the input and then add something more. And I think that's a really important life lesson, too. It's like you have to be open to these experiences with um, going back to the beginner's mind, you just have to be open to these experiences, accept them in the moment, and then build on them. And I think um, in a lot of ways, that's sort of a philosophy I carry forward in my life is just to say yes and all the time. Yeah, I'm glad that that stuck with you. It, uh, it warms my heart to, to <laughs> think that that lesson stuck with you. But I think it's really important. And improv doesn't work without it. 
No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And, you know, I carried it back. At at that point, I was a chief operating officer of a staff with about 80 people. And, And I did a lot of governance work in a distributed nonprofit with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of volunteer affiliates. And I was very intentional about bringing yes and back into those conversations as a way of building trust and of sort of getting to a creative solution on something. And it really, really worked. So, you know, to your so the, sort of the premise of the work you've been doing, that these are these are life skills that, you know, really improve the human experience. I can, you know, and if one, I can vouch for it in one organizational <laughs> culture. It was great. Well, I think that that's super important to – I mean, that's one of the things that I, I'm getting back to the idea of, you know, we're not looking to build the next actor. We're building to better to invoke life skills so you'll be a better human. Um, being collaborative in a work environment or whatever frees everybody up to be more creative. And I think yeah. that that's a really important thing in this economy. It's sort of like – Things can't be done by rote. You need to have full consensus. And by saying yes and in in a work or a nonprofit environment, it's really important to make people feel valued and then free them to risk being wrong and being able to say these crazy ideas that they wouldn't necessarily share because they're afraid of being judged. I mean, they may not be implemented, but, you know, if you compliment them and say, yes, that's a we'll look at that. Yes. You start to get buy in from your entire team. Yeah, and that's the huge part of collaboration. And um, as a life skill, you learn to work in large teams for the same goal. So, what is the team at ETC looking to for the next twenty years? <laughs> that's a huge question. <laughs> um, so, you know, my wife and I and three friends started this twenty years ago. We we started in, um, with the idea of. Yeah, we could start an arts ed organization and we could run it well. Um, It was sort of like that was our driving force. And I always knew from all the classes that I've been taking in terms of arts management, the first five years were the hardest. So the initial goal was like just get through five years. Get through five years. Get through five Uh years. And then when we did that, the the next goal was, okay, we need to double in size to start building, you know, other – programs that we don't necessarily need money for, like working Mm -hmm. with underserved. And then that happened. And then um, the next goal was, oh, well, we need to grow enough to get um, two full-time staff people. And um, luckily, in the last couple years, we've we've been able to bring on two full-time staff along with, you know, the plethora of teaching artists that we have and then a staff that works along with us. And For the next 20 years, I mean, we want to continue to do this work in whatever way uh, we can expand it. We'd like to expand Creative Aids. We'd Mm -hmm. like to continue to um, expand our work with specialty populations, um, you know, partner with other people other than Street Sense to share this devised model. I wanted to build an institution that I can walk away from that will continue to do this good without me being behind the hamster wheel running things. Um, So for me personally, there has to be a moment where I'm able to walk away from it and sit on the board and just say, wow, I've built this, but now, you know, I'm going back to theater or I'm doing something else. Uh Um, But this organization that was all of our love and blood and sweat and tears continues to do good. Yeah. Neat. So, so, but right now you're celebrating your 20th anniversary. Where can people learn more about the upcoming 
celebration. Just go to our website, www www.educationaltheatercompany.org. It's all one big unwieldy word. <laughs> and theater is spelled with an R-E, not an E-R. And there's plenty of information there. It's it's going to be a, a fun celebration of 20 years of hard work. It's Saturday, November 17th, and uh, we hope that you'll join us. We're, we're going to have a band, and uh, we plan to have a lot of fun and share all these sort of like interesting memories of the last 20 years and then how we're moving forward. That's exciting. That's exciting. So before I let you go, speaking of improv, I have my big jar of wannabe analogies here. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Okay. So reach in, grab a slip of paper. We're going to make an analogy. Whatever you pull out, I'll take one and one for the audience. And um, I can go first. You can go first. What would you like? Why don't you go first? Okay. All right, let me get one out here. Mine is mosquitoes. How <laughs> is curiosity like mosquitoes? I think mosquitoes, uh, you know, they're persistent. Um, they get a, a, a buzz in your ear, and um, they they demand attention. And I think when you get curious about something, it's, it demands your attention. And... Um, I think that's a good thing, unlike mosquitoes, which I don't think are so good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they serve a role somewhere, right? They Um, do. So so what do you have? I have lipstick. Hmm. Lipstick. How is lipstick like curiosity? Um, Well, I think lipstick serves two functions. Um, One is, you know, to become more attractive. And the other is, um, you know, sort of a a maintenance, a moisturizing function. Um, I believe curiosity is the key to making things more attractive and making things more interesting. You need to awaken your curiosity about events um, so they will be attractive. And it's also um, getting back to the sort of self-care moisturizing aspect of lipstick, which maybe not all lipsticks do, but at least the one my late wife used to use was, um, was that um, I think finding time to be curious is self-care in a lot Uh. of ways. In this this environment, when you're so wrapped up in your own responsibilities of life, um, whether they be um, as a parent or as a spouse or as a worker if you don't have moments where you can be curious about things that aren't demanding your attention, then you lose the ability to sort of decompress. Wow. Nice. Nice. And audience, um, yours is a front porch. How is curiosity like a front porch? Well, thank you, Stan, so much for this. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was a ton of fun. Good. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up on this or any of the other great programs here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear this and all my previous shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, or on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on Twitter at choose number two, letter B, curious. Don't forget to send us your front porch analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Stan Kong, for this conversation and for the gift that was training five years ago. I draw on it every day. Be sure to check out details of the ETC's 20th anniversary celebration on my Facebook page. 
Thanks to Sean Ballack for our theme and other music. I hope you'll join me next time when Rebecca Zarnecki will be here from Tea with Mrs. B to explore the intersection of curiosity and courtesy. We're going to be curiously (laughs) well-mannered. I hope you'll come along. Until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.